What a wonderful Christmas song that just really captures for us the meaning behind the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I love this season of the year. Why? Because it reminds me as to who Jesus is in my life. And I hope it does the same for you. That said, would you bow your heart with me, please, as I lead us in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. This time of the year, we're reminded of your love, your kindness. As I teach scripture, anoint me that I may speak with clarity, that each person's heart may be strengthened through the word of the Lord. In Christ's name I pray, amen. For these next few moments, I want to talk with you about the return of Jesus Christ. I have been in a two-week series on the last days. In fact, my topic last week was the last days, and today, the return of Jesus Christ. I want you to click open your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to spend some time there. One of the things I've learned is this, that there are over 318 Bible verses in the New Testament that speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Orthodox believers, we struggle and we you know, clash with one another on many topics. But on this topic of the second coming of Christ, there's unilateral agreement that Christ is coming again. In fact, Paul calls the second coming our blessed hope. Peter says that the second coming of Jesus helps us to be assured that our behavior and living in a right way is necessary. In fact, 1 Peter 1.13 says, So now, prepare your minds so that you're ready to live in a good way. Think clearly about how God helps you. Always remember that God will be very kind to you when Jesus Christ comes again. So Peter is assuring us, be patient, live in a way that honors God, as we are assured Christ is coming again. Now let's go to our central text of John 14 and verse 1. Jesus is speaking and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is the very one that announced that he's going, speaks of his death, burial, and resurrection, and he's going to come again. So Jesus introduces for us his second coming. Whenever you study the end times or the apocalyptic literature, you always have to recognize that Jesus has in his heart and his mind our best interest. And when we think about the second coming of Christ and all even the atrocities that will take place before that, I love what Billy Graham said. Bible teaching about the second coming of Christ was thought of as doomsday preaching, but not anymore. It is the only ray of hope that shines as an ever-brightening beam in a darkening world. In other words, it's not a scare tactic. I don't know if you remember back then in the early days, you know, people would tell their kids, you better behave yourself because if not, when Jesus comes back, you won't go. 
Billy Graham says, second coming of Christ is not about doomsday preaching. It's not a fear tactic. It is a hopeful anticipation for the return of our Lord. Now, admittedly, the study of end times, it's a very, very complex topic. If you notice just by the timeline of end time events that I've placed, and I didn't even put all of them up there because that'll make it way too cluttered and even you'll cause the topic to be further complicated. Let's look at just the green statements. You'll find that there is three main views when it comes to timeline of end events. Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation or mid-trib, and then post-tribulation. It speaks of how people view what's referred to, as you see on the timeline, the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, if you have a pre-trib perspective, and I'll, let me unpack first the rapture. That word rapture comes from the Latin word and is brought from 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 17, which means to be caught up. So the church will be caught up to be with Jesus in the air. And so raptured means to be caught up. Now, the three big views when it comes to us coming or going to be with Christ. You have there's the pre-tribulation. That means before the great tribulation, which is a seven-year period of time of major atrocities and pain, some say and some believe the church will be raptured away. A pre-tribulation perspective means you hold to two separate events, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. They're two separate events. That's what a pre-trib person believes. A mid-trib posture, a mid-tribulation, and a post-trib says the second coming of Christ is one solitary event. Either it'll happen in the middle of the tribulation or it'll happen right after the tribulation. Now, I mentioned it's very complicated. Let me give you the topic of a book or the title of a book that I found to be helpful. It's called The Meaning of the Millennium four views. The meaning of the millennium, colon, four views. The editor, Robert G. Close, C-L-O-S-E. I felt that that book, or I found that book to be very helpful because it tells me four views, the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, but then there's another view called the amillennial view, or someone says, I don't even believe in the thousand-year reign of Jesus that follows the second coming. So, uh, the point is that the four views are four people that love Jesus, that hold to different views, but their love for Jesus is the same. And they argue with one another throughout the book as to when one person tells their view, the other three jumps in and says, I don't believe that because of this. Now, you may say, oh, pastor, where do you stand? Well, I used to be pre-trib. Now I think I'm more post-trib. And so <laughs> that's where I stand. But I want to limit the complications of this very, very confusing topic. And so I want to limit it because my focus today is just to talk about the second coming of Jesus. And I'm going to further limit the complication and the complexity of this topic by answering three simple questions. And the questions will be, why will Jesus return? Then how will Jesus return? And then I conclude with, when will Jesus return? So I like to ask simple questions when topics are complex. Why? It at least gives me clear answers to some simple basic things. And so let's begin today as we talk about the return of Jesus Christ by focusing on this first simple question. Why will Jesus return? Well, Jesus speaks to that. 
In John 14, verse 3, I read earlier. Let me reread it again. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. So the question, why will Jesus return? Jesus answers it. He will return because he wants you as a follower of him to be with him. So wherever he is, he says, I want you right next to me. I want you near me. I want you in my presence. And so why is Jesus returning? Answer number one, so you can be with him. So, quote unquote, if I'm speaking in first person as if I'm Jesus, so we can be together. Let's look at a different answer to the same question. In other words, the question is, why will Jesus return? Well, Jesus gave this other answer in Matthew 25, verse 31. Here's what Jesus said. When the Son of Man comes in His glory with all, his, all of His angels, He will sit on His royal throne. The people of all nations will be brought before Him, and He will separate them as shepherds separate their sheep from their goats. He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, My father has blessed you. Come and receive the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world was created. So what is the answer to the question, why will Jesus return? Answer, it will be a sort of a reckoning. It will be a time of judgment, a time of assessing, a time then, and, and he's separating now, goats, Sheep, in other words, believers, unbelievers, Christ followers, those who don't follow Christ. He separates out those groups of persons into two distinct category. And then here we see what I just read to the believer, to those who followed Christ. Jesus says, I'm going to reward you. So we're not going to be judged by our sins. We're not going to go through any evaluation of our sins Jesus is rewarding us for our service, and he's rewarding us for what, what it means to walk with him. Peter brings clarity to that when he said to us in 1 Peter 5 and verse 4, then our master Christ will give you a gift. He is the most important shepherd who leads us. When he returns, he will give you a beautiful crown that is a great gift that will never become old or less beautiful. So the answer to the question, why will Jesus return? Answer, to give you a gift, a crown, and to give out gifts, plural, of service. And so we recognize that. Now, the answer is not as pleasant and as beautiful to the irreligious in terms of why will Jesus return. Verse 41 of Matthew 25, Jesus speaks to it and he says, then the king will say to those on his left, you know, the irreligious, those who didn't follow Christ, the unbelievers, get away from me. You are under God's curse. Go into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice that we learn that there is an everlasting fire, hell, an eternal place of punishment. It was never created for human beings. 
And if you're not a believer in Jesus, hell is never created for you. God never desired you to go there. Jesus doesn't want you to be banished there. And so hell is prepared for Satan and his cohorts, his angels or fallen angels, demons we refer to them as. And so I want you to be aware of this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to hell, not because God wanted it, but because you chose it. And you may say, well, how did I choose hell? You chose hell when you were silent about choosing Jesus, when you're indifferent about choosing Jesus. At the end of my teaching, I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose Jesus, to invite Christ into your life so you can become a follower of Jesus. You don't need to die and go to hell, even if you're the biggest sinner on the planet. Jesus took care of the debt that you owed God for sin. Sin creates an indebtedness to God. But Jesus paid the debt that you owed God. And by accepting Christ as your Savior, the debt becomes expunged. You become forgiven so you can be able to know Jesus as your Savior and experience new life. And then heaven becomes your home when you pass. So when Jesus returns, we understand why he's returning. To judge. You always hear about people imprisoned. And everybody always says, I'm innocent. But there have been some people that have been imprisoned falsely. Andrew Davis, or Andre Davis, he spent 31 years in prison for a 1980 rape and murder in Rantoul, Illinois, that he did not commit. In fact, on May 8, 2013, he was fully exonerated after DNA tests showed that two other men committed the crimes. And Davis received a certificate of innocence from the courts. I want you to know that when judgment day comes, you can never be exonerated if you're guilty. God did not imprison and did not banish and did not say, you are now, I'm separating you from me and you're going to be eternally banished to hell. God is not making any DNA mistakes. I don't know if you heard about Christine Branch. She spent 17 years imprisoned, having been falsely convicted in 1996 of the arson murder for a three-year-old son. People thought that Christine burned her son and caused him to die by, by, by burning her home. And later they discovered it was a fluke accident. And when she was exonerated because the Bloom Legal Clinic of Northwestern University School of Law helped to bring the discovery to surface, she was exonerated again. When Jesus judges people, there's no court that can show you that Jesus' judgment is wrong or false. And that's why I say, when he judges, he judges accurately. So in answer to the question, why will Jesus return? For us who are followers of him to be with him, to receive rewards, and for those who are unbelievers to be banished and judged accordingly for their sins. And so we recognize that the coming of Jesus is so necessary. May I answer the second question? How will Jesus return? We want to know. Is it, is it something secretive? Is it a humble return like his birth in a manger? It's just the opposite. Jesus' return will be triumphant and glorious. Paul describes it in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16 when he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven 
with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's the word caught up. We'll be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Let's focus on the question is, how will Jesus return? And here we see it's going to be triumphant. It's going to be glorious. The language of the text that Paul uses, he says that Jesus will give a loud command. That word command in the Greek, it is a shout of an order by a, a commanding officer to his soldiers. It, 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 it alarms, it awakens, it excites, it brightens the minds of the soldiers when they're hearing charge or they're hearing come on or they're hearing let's move. Jesus is going to rally the troops with a command to let us know it's over, come and be with me forever. And so that's what we think about when we think to the, to the question and is, is how will Jesus return? It's going to be glorious. May I give you yet a second answer to that question as to how will Jesus return? We learn that in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2, you know very well that the day the Lord comes again will be a surprise, like a thief that comes in the night. In other words, Jesus says to us, using Paul as the writer of this letter to the Thessalonians, Jesus says, my second coming that's imminent, it's assured, it's guaranteed. But I want you to know, though it's going to be triumphant and majestic, it's going to, off, it's going to almost appear unexpected. Not that he didn't plan it. Not that it's accidental. Not that God is saying, oops. No. He's saying that people are so busy, so focused on their lives, so, you know, like soldiers, are soldiering arms, marching to their, their everyday duty, taking care of their kids, going to work, going to school, going through the errands, serving in ministry, getting involved in local church, in, engaging the community, doing all the stuff that we all oftentimes don't, oftentimes do, that we are not thinking or not mindful about the second coming of Christ. That's why Paul used the language, the Aramaic word, when he wrote his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul used that Aramaic, Aramaic word, Maranatha, which means, our Lord, come. He was telling the church back then, stay expectant. Stay expectant. Stay alert. Because we must realize Jesus is going to return in that kind of way. So be alert. Stay expectant. That does not mean that you don't have long-term plans. That does not mean you divorce yourself from engaging the community and serving and meeting felt needs. That does not mean you don't plan for college if you're a pre-college student or grad school for those who are aspiring academics. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that while you're doing your business, while you're caring for your family, while you're getting educated, while you're causing your career to unfold and to grow and for you to climb the corporate ladder, if that's your place of employment, it means you still have a sensitivity to the fact that Maranatha, O oh Lord, come. I'm answering the question, and that is, how will Jesus return? Acts 1 verse 9 
gives us yet a third answer to that question. It says, after he said this, this meaning, or after he meaning Jesus said it, and he's speaking to his disciples, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white, those were angels, stood beside them. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Stop there. We get the answer. The answer that we're asking or the question we're asking is, how will Jesus return? Answer, he's going to return in a visible way and it's not going to be in, in people's hearts. It's not spiritual. It's not some type of you know, aberration of the mind. Jesus is telling us in Holy Scripture, the way I ascended after my death, burial, and resurrection is the same way I'll descend on my second coming. And that is, it'll be physical and visible. It's not something ethereal, mystical, or spiritual. And so I want you to recognize that's how, Jesus, that's how Jesus Christ will return in his second coming. You know, I love the way NASA and other agencies, when they're dealing with spacecrafts, that the spaceship has to get a, a command from command center to return home to the earth. And when it, it goes through a lengthy process of readiness to be able to return to the earth's surface, and because an order was given from command center, then only command center and a few people know and actually witness a returning spacecraft. This will not be the case with Jesus. So the question, how will Jesus return? It's not going to be where only a few see. Everyone will know, everyone will see that Christ has returned. And so we've answered two questions already from Scripture. Why will Jesus return? How will Jesus return? And may I suggest to you that when our Lord returns, let Him find you, if He returns in our lifetime, let Him find you busy doing work for Him. Let Him find you busy serving His purpose for your life. Let Him find you busy doing what He has assigned you to do. I want us to be able to have this mindset, like Paul told the Corinthians, Maranatha, our Lord, come. I've answered two questions. Why will Jesus return? How will Jesus return? Let's spend our remaining moments answering this third question, when will Jesus return? That's the age-old questions. question. That's all. There's been a lot of speculation about you know, when is he going to return? Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus provides us with an answer. Jesus says, No one knows when that day or time will be. Not the angels in heaven, not even the Son. Only the Father knows. So Jesus is saying clearly, He says, Nobody knows. I don't even know. The only one who knows is God the Father. And so if you hear anybody tell you that they know exact date, exact time, exact place, run from them. They are not 
someone who's teaching the Bible, false prophet, false theologian, they're misguiding you, run for your life because that's only meant to trip you up and it's going to affect your behavior, your theological perspective, and even your relationship with God. And so Jesus answers the question for us, when will he return? He says, I don't know. Let me look at another passage of scripture to see how Jesus gives us a second answer to the very same question. Question, when will Jesus return? Jesus said this in Matthew 24 and verse 44. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So Jesus is saying to us, first, I don't know when I'm coming back, but I do know that when I do come back, you better be ready. You better carry yourself in an expectant way. What does that mean? That means live in a godly way. I know so many people, they throw off their sanctification. Their lifestyle does not exude Christ-likeness. The way they behave, their thought life, they're engaged in things that God would is not pleased with. They're living an immoral life and compromising. And I'm not trying to be some super quote-unquote religious person or some super saint, all I'm saying is that your relationship with God should be so pure and so holy and so in alignment with sacred scripture that if Jesus came back right now, he would catch you not living in a way that's corrupt or morally bankrupt, but living in a way that honors him. Now, do we get it perfect every time? Absolutely not. But we do understand the grace of God that says, that if we confess our sins before God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants us to maintain expectancy and stay in this area of alertness so that when He does return, no matter how long, no matter when, if He does come back in our lifetime, He comes back and we are ready for Him. So I want you to realize that. So the question when will Jesus return? We don't know. Jesus says, I don't know. And Jesus just says, I'm coming back in an unexpected way. Let me give you a third answer to the same question. Question, when will Jesus return? Revelations 22 and verse 12 gives us an answer. Then I was told, so John the apostle, he's seeing a vision. He says, then I, John, was told, I'm coming soon. Jesus is telling him, I'm coming soon. And when I come, I will reward everyone for what they have done. So here's the answer. Jesus, he told John the apostle in the, in, in the vision that he had on the island of Patmos that I'm coming soon. It was in a cave. I remember about eight years ago, my wife and I had a trip of a lifetime and we had a chance to go to the Isle of Patmos, right close to the Aegean Sea. And we went actually into the cave that John the Apostle, where he had the vision of our Lord Jesus and where he penned these words I just read. And Jesus told him over 2,000 years ago, John, I'm coming soon. That was over 2,000 years ago. Remember, a day to Jesus could be 1,000 years. So when he says soon, it, soon it's such a relative term but soon then simply answers the question, when will Jesus return? He says, I'm coming back soon. Now I recognize it's not that he's trying to mislead us. 
There are a number of prophetic realities and timetables and actions that must occur before he returns. In fact, a few of them is that in John 21 verse 18, Jesus said to, to John, you know, the apostle, so John's going to grow old. I'm sorry, Peter's going to grow old and infirm. So he told that to John. In other words, I'm going to come back, but this is what's going to take place before I return. Then we see the temple would be destroyed. Matthew 24, 2. That's a prophecy. Had to be fulfilled before Jesus returns. Then we learn in Matthew 24, verse 14, the gospel will be preached to all nations. Then I'll return. In other words, Jesus says, I'm coming back soon. But we understand soon means it's imminent. It's guaranteed. Rest assured. But be alert. The number of prophetic actions that must take place. And one of them is that God says, through the mouth of Paul, I would that all men be saved. Question, are you saved? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Because Jesus is saying, don't let me come back before you make that decision. You know why it's so critical? It's because C.S. Lewis brought some clarity to this question. C.S. Lewis once said, for this time, talking about the second coming of Christ, it will be God without disguise. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. So Christ, why is he delaying his return? Because he doesn't want it to be too late for you. He wants you to be able to choose sides now. If you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior... May I have the privilege of leading you into a right relationship with Jesus? Would you bow your heart right where you are and repeat after me this, this prayer of invitation. It's inviting Christ to become your Savior and your Lord. Bow your heart with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need you. I don't want to guess whether I'm going to be on your left or on your right when Jesus returns. I want to be on your right means I want to be a follower of yours. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash away my sins. Change me. And help me to serve you starting this moment and for the rest of my life. In Christ's name, amen. Congratulations. If you just prayed with me, welcome to God's family. There's information on the screen. Follow the prompting. This will just affirm and anchor your decision that you've made to become a follower of Jesus. Today, from Sacred Scripture, I've answered three questions. Why will Jesus return? How will Jesus return? And when will Jesus return? May you enjoy the rest of this holiday season as you make Jesus Christ Lord of all. God bless you.